You are listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Rachel Adams, Managing Editor. This podcast was recorded live in Las Vegas at Supply Side West. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. My name is Rachel Adams, I'm Managing Editor of Insider, and today I'm at Supply Side West with Justin Prochnow, who is Attorney and Shareholder at Greenberg Trorig. Uh, Justin's going to be presenting in our social media marketing workshop at Supply Side West, talking about some of the regulatory considerations when it comes to marketing uh, via social media. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some of what he's going to cover during his presentation. So first of all, I want to say, hi Justin, welcome to Supply Side West. Well, thank you. Uh, good to be back here. Um, hopefully different circumstances than last year, uh, which is kind of the unsaid thing around here, and then I went and said it, but uh, it's uh, it's good to be back and people focusing on fun and happy things. Right. I do. I feel like the energy is good so far, right. so I, yeah. I, I imagine it'll stay that way, um, but yeah, definitely great to be back. Uh, so my first question, um, I just want to get your perspective as far as the evolution of social media marketing from a regulatory perspective. Um, can you talk about kind of when you started to see this become a concern for FTC and FDA? Sure. Um, you know, the internet in general is an interesting thing. The FDA, you know, you, if you looked at the FDA regulations, you would still not know that there's this newfangled thing called the internet um, because <laughs> there's no mention of any websites or anything in any of the FDA regulations. But I, I think companies would be wise to, you know, make sure they know that the FDA is aware of the internet and of social media and we are seeing an increased um, regulation and actually taking action against companies for things on social media, whether it's on uh, YouTube videos or uh, tw- you know retweeting things on Twitter, liking things on Facebook. You know, I, I think probably maybe three, four years ago is when we saw kind of the first warning letters that really started identifying social media. There was a, a warning letter to a company that got a lot of attention because the company had liked um, a claim uh, made by one of the customers that essentially said something like, oh, I love their product. I never get colds and flu anymore. And then the company liked it and said something like, oh, another satisfied customer. And the FDA said, you know, that is essentially the company endorsing that statement that it will help with colds and flu, which is not a permissible claim for a dietary supplement. And so that was really kind of the first like, hey, you know, maybe they haven't mentioned it a lot, but they are taking a look at social media and I would say actually of the two the FTC the Federal Trade Commission has been the one that really has been more at the forefront of regulating social media advertising right and so they, they monitor different things so as you mentioned FDA was kind of monitoring claims on social media uh, whereas FTC would monitor like endorsements and testimonials can you can you talk a little bit about sure. what FTC monitors sure so so as you said I mean the FDA regulates labeling right. and the FTC regulates advertising, but a lot of things are both labeling and advertising, and more and more the FDA is taking an expanded look as to what they consider to be labeling, because typically we consider, 
okay, the label of a product and maybe the website. And the FDA generally took the position, if you've got the website address on your label, then anything on your website is basically the same as if it's on the label of your product. Well, now they've kind of extended that to social media as well and said, if you have your uh, Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat um, icon on your label or links on your website, then essentially everything on your social media is also you know, tied back to your label. So the FDA, as you said, really looks at it to say, are you making claims that you shouldn't be making for this type of product? So for dietary supplements, which is what most people are looking at here, it's are you making any claims that suggest the product is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, prevent a disease? So they're really saying, looking at your claims, are those the type of claims that are allowed for that type of product? The FTC, on the other hand, as you said, enforces the truth in advertising law, which basically says everything has to be truthful, not misleading, and substantiated. And so really what the FTC focuses on and what a lot of my talk is going to be tomorrow in, in the short time that we have is making sure you properly disclose um, any connection between a person, as you said, you know, giving an endorsement or a testimonial and whether they have any tie to the company. And that's really been the focus of the Federal Trade Commission over the last year or two is making sure influencers, we can talk a little about influencers, right. um, you know, making sure influencers are properly disclosing that, hey, they're actually getting paid by the company. This isn't just a random, you know, out of the blue, oh, I love this product. Oh, actually, I get paid a couple hundred thousand dollars to you know, post these types of pictures. Right. Um, so, what what would you say is FTC looking for in terms of disclosure? Yeah. So the, they they um, you know the FTC has this guidance document called um, guidance to use of endorsements and testimonials in advertising. And in the past, it really applied to you know any sort of of advertising, whether it was on TV, but it didn't really address the internet much. And they they really revamped that guidance to address social media concerns uh, last year. And they started really focusing on influencers. And for those out there in podcast land who don't know what influencers are, I mean, these are basically, it can be now internet celebrities. You know, they get paid based on how many people, my son is a big Fortnite fan. Um, Ninja, who's the big Fortnite player, would be an influencer because people, hundreds of thousands of people are watching him play Fortnite, which is <laughs> insane, but um, but that's what they're doing. And then, you know, when they, when Ninja says, oh, by the way, I'm drinking a Diet Coke while I'm playing, tons of people are like, oh, I'm going to go buy Diet Coke. So, you know, that's what the FTC has really been focusing and saying, that's okay for them to do it. But if, if the influencer is getting paid by the company to, you know, basically provide product placement, then they need to disclose. And, and it's pretty easy to say, hey, you know, I, I love Coke. That's why I joined up as a sponsor for them, you know, or an ambassador for them. Um, if you're tweeting it, it, you know, it has to clearly disclose paid ad or sponsor, something to make it clear. Because the, the FTC, again, doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't true. But what they're saying is that, that information that they're actually a paid endorser is something that someone should know when they decide what weight or credibility 
to give that endorsement. And so the quintessential example was Selena Gomez posted. It was a like a well-known picture of her posing with a with a can of Coke and saying something like, you know, I love it, but it's even better when your lyrics are on the label because they had some of her song lyrics on there. Um, what may or may not have been clear is she's also a paid spokesperson for Coca-Cola. And, it, you know, it didn't say, and, and the FTC has used that as an example of, hey, this should be something where it says, you know, it doesn't mean that people might still buy it anyway because Selena Gomez likes it, but they should at least know it's not just that she loves Coca-Cola, but also because, perhaps, because she's a paid sponsor for it. So it's it's making that that link clear. And the FTC sent out about 90 letters to companies last April saying, uh, this was 2017, saying, hey, you should know that um, uh, you know you have this obligation and we want to make sure you do it. And then in uh, September, they sent out another 20 letters to some of those same people who apparently hadn't quite gotten the message. So they sent a more strongly worded label. And what the FTC likes to do is they also announced an enforcement action against two online video, well-known influencers, video gamers, who were touting this online video game, first-person shooter game, talking about all the great things you can win from it. What they didn't disclose is they own the company. And the FTC again said, you need to disclose that so that people can decide. It's no different than you know someone doing a weight loss product and saying, oh, I lost 50 pounds from this. Oh, and by the way, I'm also uh, like the old Cy Spurlock, the hair club for men, where I'm not only a, a customer, uh, I'm not only an owner, I'm a customer. I mean, you have to disclose that so people know that you know there might be some bias to that right. testimonial. Right. I feel like it's pretty. I feel like it's always fairly straightforward. If it seems like it might be misleading, then it probably is. Yeah. Um, and you know, things like Instagram. You know, there's unless you like click something to see more. Sometimes you can't see where people say sponsored. So even I started seeing where people put it up higher, and that's just. Well, that is actually a requirement, and it's a great point um, yeah. and a great notice by you because the FTC in this new guidance said very specifically you can't have your disclosure in the bottom half of a see more where someone doesn't right. see it right away it's got to be up above so that someone sees it right away because they might not click on it and they might never see it so there are a lot of um, guidance in there about how large the disclosure should be you shouldn't have it in a you know uh, a, a string of hashtags that say like hashtag I love life hashtag you know juice is great and then <laughs> hashtag paid sponsor and then hashtag something else um, and and have it buried in the middle they say you know that they want it to be clear when when they're doing it, it the biggest issue with social media, and I think why the FTC has looked at it, is you know, when you see a commercial on TV, you pretty much know that that person's getting paid. Michael Jordan's doing Gatorade, or right. you know, LeBron James is doing Sprite, or you know, um, whoever Jennifer Aniston as you know in a magazine with Smart Water, you know that that's an ad. Right. But when someone's just posting a picture of them at the beach with a drink in their hand, it's not as clear that actually you know, that they're giving an endorsement. And that's when the FTC says you need to make it more clear. Right. And I think that's uh, that speaks to the point of, you know, the complexity with influencers. You know, someone who's an influencer essentially is almost like their own brand. You know, whatever, whatever their, it's like a healthy lifestyle or whatnot, they're developing a brand about themselves. And then ultimately that's what, you know, companies will, will connect with to connect with them to reach their audience. Um, but like you said, it's not like a magazine where, you know, 
this other entity that has advertisements in it. Right. Person. Um, and I want to talk a little bit, just, uh, I think this is probably my last question next. Yeah. I know there's, we could talk about this probably all day. I'm sure there's a lot to cover. Um, but I'm curious when it comes to influencers, what the liability is on the part of companies that partner with them. So, yeah. so I, I imagine that there's um, some kind of agreement, some kind of contract, and I'm sure that the companies specify what they need in terms of disclosures. How do they actually enforce that? And if it's not enforced, what do they have to do or what? how are they liable? That's great. Question and the FTC really um, holds companies accountable for their um, official affiliates, uh, sponsors, advertisers, brand ambassadors, um, and the, the FTC really applies a three-step process. They really say that companies should um, first um, educate or inform their. Uh, brand ambassador about what they are allowed to say and can't say about the product. So really, first is kind of education. Second is monitoring. And some, you know, some companies might only have a couple, so it's pretty easy. Some companies might have a hundred, and right. and then you've got to have some sort of system in place where you're going to rotate. Like we're going to look at our top ten each, you know, every two weeks plus another random ten to see what's going on, and, and really have a system in place to kind of monitor what's being said. And then the third is actually taking some action if something's wrong. So maybe the first time is, you know, a, a email that says, hey, you got to knock this off. You know, we were monitoring. You didn't disclose this. You need to do this. Then maybe the second time is, hey, you're suspended from being a brand ambassador for two weeks or a month. And then the third time is, hey, can't be a brand ambassador for us anymore. But you have to take some sort of, if a company does that, then if you have a rogue ambassador out there doing something and a company can show that, you know, they have a system in place and that they take steps to take care of it, then it would be less likely that the FTC would come down on them hard. Um, but if they don't have a system in place and it kind of looks like they're not really monitoring it, then they will hold the company responsible for the failure to disclose, um, as well as the ambassador or the you know spokesperson influencer is also potentially at risk for the FTC taking action. And typically, they're not going to take aggressive action unless it's a pattern or, you know, one time doing it, uh, you know, they're not going to come and, you know, ask for millions of dollars in fines. But if it's a pattern in practice of these people doing it and they're not really being anything, any action taken, then then it is likely, and the FTC has certainly taken some action in the form of um, actions that, that result in consent decrees. Um, you know, there was a well-known kind of guitar lesson company that um, was doing that. Now, typically, the FTC also gets a little more concerned when it appears there's some fraud going on. If, um, you know, there was a case where people were just making up, you know, customer testimonials, like, you know, Bill said this, and it turns out it was just the employees, you know, Oh, assigning yes. different names to it. So that type of stuff, you know, kind of as you said before, some of that stuff is just obvious. Like when you look at it and you're like, it doesn't sound right, it's probably not right. Uh, yeah. You know, if people are looking at going, should we really be doing this? The answer is generally no. no. So. Right. I do, I'd like to have one more question for yeah. you. Because um, in the world of influencers, I feel like it's um, at least something that I notice on social media is it's fairly common for companies um, to send free product mm -hmm. and probably not under any obligation for the influencers to talk about it. If influencers do talk about a product that is sent to them for free, 
then is it on the influencer to disclose it? Is disclosure necessary? It, it is still, under the guidelines, they are still s supposed to disclose it. And again, they can do it pretty easily by just even saying, hey, you know, Justin's Naturals sent me some free product to try out. Here's what I think about it, you right. know, or or even like if they're posting a picture, you know, with it saying, thanks, Justin's Naturals, for sending me some free product. You know, I mean, you can weave it into your testimonial or do it in some way. But yes, I mean, any sort of value, whether it's money, free products, I don't know, they got your dad a job. Some sort of connection or benefit that they got from it, they're supposed to disclose it. Now, you know, are they going to come crack down on every person who, you know, got some free product in the mail and talked about it? Probably not. But you know, a little bit depends on the, obviously, the celebrity or the um, notoriety of the individual making the endorsement, because they're going to have, obviously, more influence. Right. Well, thank you so much, Justin. I hope you enjoy the rest of Supply Side West. I'm looking forward to it. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts. This edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast was recorded live in Las Vegas at Supply Side West 2018.